Welcome to The Future is Female Powerlifting, a show where women of all strengths can explore the world of female powerlifting. I am your host, Heidi Donnell, a 60-kilo powerlifting gym owner, and each episode we bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you unlock your true inner strength potential. Thanks for tuning in. Aloha, my beautiful friends, and welcome to episode number 16. I am really stoked for number 16. I feel like I'm past that halfway mark, almost at 20. I don't know. It's like a happy moment for me. Anyways, I hope you guys are having a wonderful week. I am dipping into my third week. I am about three weeks out from my first meet back on the platform in a while. Because, you know, when you got a gym, job, mom, you know, all this kind of stuff, um, it gets hard to actually gear up for a meet. Let me tell you, just the whole commitment. It's one of those things where I'm still training. I'm still training hard, but um, the actual prepping for a meet and all that, I just was like putting it on the back burner. So I'm really stoked this year is going to be my year um, to just step back out there, put it out there. So I actually turned 38 the day before the meet. I feel like, mom, so close to masters, but just not close enough. Um, so it's kind of nice. 419 is my birthday. You know, it's the day after, right? 420. Mm -hmm. And that is the day of the meet. So, you know, what's going down pancakes. That's what's going down. (laughs) What are you guys thinking? You guys are so awful. Um, anyways, today we have a fabulous, fabulous episode with, um, none other than Randy Lee who is Island Randy on Instagram. If you don't know who Randy is, she is an entrepreneur, a um, mindset coach, a business coach. Randy is an amazing woman. And we had an, it's just a really great podcast. Love the way that she and I shared stories of our struggles and challenges and, and how we're learning and still learning to kind of move forward from those, you know, and, and lean into the difficult things. One thing that I like that Randy shares is her struggle with accepting being a super heavyweight. And I think this is an interesting topic for a lot of us because, um, even the most elite, like, you know, Hopper Rican, um, Amanda Kohatsu, she even had, uh, um, struggles with, you know, to, you know, let me stay in this weight class. I mean, this is pervasive amongst a lot of women in strength sports because we have to make a weight class. What is it about us not wanting to go to that next weight class? You know? And I think, um, especially as a super heavyweight, then you're like, okay, that's it. I'm a super heavyweight, you know? And she really talks about how she and bubbly powerlifter sort of embrace, you know, this, this super heavyweight title, but that that took a while to to really accept. Randy is freaking strong. It, you're gonna hear this, but if you look her up, Andy, Randy has um, she's in the Hall of Fame. She has over a 600 pound squat. She is actually going to the Kern coming up, and she is beyond stoked about that. Uh, and she shares a lot about her training and her transition to things, and how she actually got to be in this place where now she's coaching other women to be better coaches and how to make this business better for themselves. Part that we taught, we both touch on. And, um, I think we all ask ourselves this in, in some respect for us in the world of powerlifting, you know, we thought, what, what kind of impact am I going to have? And I think then in the beginning, when we start 
um, this fitness journey, it is about ourselves, you know, it's about bettering ourselves, our health, our this and that. And then it kind of comes to a point, I think for me, where I thought, how can I give back in a way where maybe I use my strengths, which is this, you know, in Hawaii, we say putty mouth, <laughs> but the, the gift of gab, um, how can I use that? And and I found that, you know, podcasting was one of those things where like, I love to interview people. I love to get to know people. And never did I think that that would be a strength. But in this context, it works out great. And I feel like I'm able to extract things from um, people I get to interview. And, and that has been my way to kind of give back to you guys, you know, and um, she found herself in the same position. Like, what am I, what kind of impact am I really going to make? And Leo has talked about this from USBA. And it's really like, what else, what else can I do? Because, you know, your lifts are going to be your lifts. You might keep those, but very good chance somebody's going to beat those. What else can you do to better our community? And this podcast is brought to you by my gym, Core Strength and Performance out in Huntsville, Alabama, where we help people get stronger every day. So if you have anybody that is interested in strength training or doesn't know where to begin and they are in the North Alabama area, hit me up. And if there's anything you guys have questions on just in general, like, you know, I'm an open book, me and my husband, we love to help people. So if you have any questions along those lines, you just let us know. You can find us at core SMP on Instagram, or you can hit us up at coach at core 256.com. Our website is also core C O R E 256.com. And now let's get into it with Randy. Yeah. I was looking at your, your last posts and I just love it. Like to me, those are the kind of posts and conversations that you have that I love the most because they are very much what I think a lot of women feel and especially in powerlifting. It, it always comes back. It's funny how you can have the same kind of uh, conversations with yourself in a totally different context you know, but now it's like, am I weak enough? Did I overshoot my lifts? Do I think I'm ready for this competition? Did I, you know, and it was interesting to see, uh, even in your story, how you went from like, this was today's Miss Groove. And then this was a few months ago. And you're like, you know, repping 606 for three or something like that. You know, it's, so it's funny. So what, I guess, what made you sort of take this path? Because I know that you had struggled for a long, long time with just body image. And then you kind of just said, forget it. I'm not going to worry about how I look. Like when did that transition happen for you? Um, the transition started, I mean, I feel like I've been trying to do this my whole life except myself, but yeah. I always thought that there was something that I needed to change and then I would love myself and then I would be good enough to accept myself. And it was about... 2016, when I really hit like rock bottom with my relationship with myself, mm. I had gotten out of a really toxic relationship with a man who was married mm. and I knew he was married. <laughs> like, yeah. I, you know, and, and I went into it knowing that, but still just not knowing my own worth. Yeah. And at the end of that, I was like, what the hell am I doing? Right. And I had, you know, tried to change myself. I had, at this point, I had been in powerlifting for a couple years. I had been dieting down to the 181 class because I was like, I will never be a super heavyweight. You know, like yeah. when I started, when I started powerlifting, 
I was like 185 pounds. So I was like, oh, like I'm right at the 181. Right. Like I'm good. But like, as I got stronger, making the 181 class got so much harder. Yeah. And I was like, even then I was like, okay, 198, but like never super heavyweight. And that was just like evident, not just in powerlifting, but everything in my life. It was just like, I was just selling myself short because I was not accepting that I'm just meant to be in a bigger body. Yeah. And like, literally when I accepted that, things started changing in my life. Not only did I like start breaking world records, but it was like, I found my purpose in helping other women find that acceptance and that love for themselves that so many people are struggling with. Yeah. Yeah. I feel, you know, and Bonica, bubbly powerlifter, she had posted, I love her too. And uh, she had a little picture of her in this little, um, this little tutu with her her big old nice booty sticking out and she's in them. I started getting her to post those. Shut up. Okay, yeah. because what I was gonna say yeah. is that yeah. so I posted just like Randy. Yes, who's talking about I you? I started posting something last April and I tagged her about how I would I would never be a super heavyweight. And she was like, Okay, now I'm gonna start posting these once a month, these sexy pictures. I was like, fuck yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And one of my goals is to actually like create a super heavyweight calendar of like all of us women oh, you know you would fucking like, sell the fuck that out. is literally <laughs> my so that's kind of my dream for this year and yeah like her posting that stuff like inspired me I was like we need to get all the super heavyweight women yeah. and just like take sexy fucking pictures and be like unapologetic that these are our bodies and mm-hmm. like they deserve to be seen just as much as thin people yeah yeah yeah, no, and I, you know, there's people love all shapes. I think that's one of those things that we as women only think that men like a certain size. But mm-hmm. I mean, with my husband, like he actually does not like when I'm really skinny. So when I was lean for my shows, it was visibly different. Like he could, mm-hmm. I could visibly see like him. I know, you know, I'm very proud of you and I'm very proud of you, you know, being disciplined. He's like, but if you're going to ask me what I prefer, <laughs> you know, he's like, I prefer you with a lot more meat on your bones. And I guess you would say I'd prefer you kind of chunky, maybe even fat. Like <laughs> he would say things like that. And he's like, I just, I just like that better. You know, I just, just, just what I prefer. And you know, that it kind of clicked with me. Cause I was before that, it was always like be lean, you know, I'm half Japanese, Japanese girls are not big, you know, and kind of even in Hawaii, you know, like when you have that look, you're kind of falling into that more slender look, you know? And, and so I was always chasing that. And when I got back oh, into yeah. fitness, you know, and I was always I mean, it's hard that. in Hawaii because you have to be bikini ready year round. Oh and, my gosh. Yes. You know, even like, though there's I, a mix yeah. of like titas that are like, you know, oh, these totally. girls are like, they're, they're, they're big girls. And they don't give a shit. You know what I mean? They are over there with their fucking bikini and they're rocking it. Like, you know, they don't even care. Um, but yeah, I, you know, it's funny. So to have that mental shift even for me, so I felt a lot more comfortable as I got more into my relationship with being heavier, but I, I knew that in my past relationship, it was, I think he liked it better when I was, I mean, I for sure knew that when he, he liked it better when I was leaner or smaller, um, which is kind of funny to me to, to, to think of that transition. So it's really interesting. So you have this mind shift, you had this, like, I'm now going to accept being a super heavyweight. and 
when did you realize that this could be like something that you could help others for? Like what was happening that you're like, Oh, were women reaching out to you? Were they like, Oh my gosh, you're an inspiration or. (laughs) So it was actually after the Olympia when I squatted 600 pounds in a squat suit. Yep. I, you know, I thought that this would be the big moment that I become famous and I become like, you know, I fucking blow up on Instagram and like all this shit, you know, and like that didn't happen. (laughs) I was like, okay, like, why the fuck are you doing this, Randy? And it was like this kind of like aha moment. And again, it was like, I was always searching for that acceptance. And I was like, okay, You still got work to do. And it was just another layer that I had to unpeel. And so it was like, there's something behind this. And it was really that I I hadn't fully accepted myself. I hadn't fully accepted my body. And so I started to do that inner work. And when I did that, I realized that there was so much more to life than powerlifting. Yeah. Yeah. And that my impact could be so much more than that. Like my records will be broken, you know, like, I mean, I'm on the, I'm on the hall of fame, which is cool. So wow. like, hopefully that'll stay there because I'm in for like a 600 pound squat and 300 pound raw bench. So, you know, that should stay there, but like my records will go away, right. you know, and what I want my legacy to be is the impact that I leave on other people. Right. And the shift that I... I transform within them of how they feel about themselves. Yeah. Like that's what I want my legacy to be, not how much I can lift. Yeah. And like when I discovered that, it was like, again, like I feel like that's almost like my secret weapon in powerlifting because I don't care what my, like, like last night it was like, okay, I didn't make it like the number that I wanted, but it's like, all right. That's not who I am either. So yeah. it's like I go into these competitions and like, you know, I'm, I'm preparing for the current in April and I have these goals for myself, but if I don't make them, it's like, I'm going to yeah. be okay. Yeah. And I also will probably still have a great me because I'm not going to go and shoot for numbers I can't hit. Right. I don't like, I really just, my ego isn't there. And right. I think that that's my secret weapon in a lot of things in life. Which is great. And that's, I, I think, I, you know, I follow the same kind of thing. It's not that you don't have goals and aspirations and not that they don't mean a lot to you. I mean, these things still mean a lot to you, but you don't put so much weight on it that maybe you would have done prior. I, I think when I was bodybuilding, I did a lot more of that. Like I had a lot tied in. And then actually once it started to become like social media, then I had more, well, now people are watching. So now totally. I, it's eyes on me, right? So then now I really can't gain weight on my off season or I really can't be a fatty or I need to keep up this fitness image. And mm-hmm. it, was, it was one of those things where I'm like, wow, why am I doing this? Like, I'm not gonna, getting paid. In fact, I'm paying a lot more money, yeah. you know, and I'm, I'm suffering for months not having, you know, because I was a, a natural athlete. So I didn't, I didn't take any cutting agents or anything to help like cut that down. So I was dieting for long. I have this strategically large lower bottom area and stomach that doesn't want to come off the Latina in me. And unfortunately that takes forever to get down. So, um, I had those sort of same shifts in my mindset. And then once I started letting go of that, just like that, it was like, yeah, I enjoy it. Yeah. It's very much part of who I am, but I don't 
gauge my happiness on it anymore. It gets me upset for a little bit, but it's almost like, like, I feel like even with you reading your post, you know, last night about why did I miss this? It's like, you still go through that dialogue in your brain, you know, like you're still asking yourself, what the fuck, you know, why didn't this, and you're still kind of having those thoughts, but now you're probably like more like, okay, now you can step back and pull away from it a little bit and have a little bit better insight. Yeah. And I think that's important for everyone to really understand is that no matter what level you are in your life, you're still going to go through these things because it's so programmed in who we are and how we're raised in our society that you're always going to face this. But I've just found a way to get through it faster just found a way to like, we all go through this, right? Like we're always going to have those thoughts, but I've just found a way to get over it faster, to like shift my perspective in a a quicker way to be able to like, I almost like try to take a step back and like have an outside perspective. It's like, okay, What's really going on? And right. a lot of times I find that it's my ego that's leading. Yes. And it's, you know, it's like, oh yeah, that was me saying, you know, you should be doing 600 raw. So you better be hitting like 660 <laughs> tonight. Yeah. Like this is a brand new fucking suit, Randy. Like I, I was thinking, like, I'm like watching the videos. I was like, holy shit. It was all off. Like, you should be grateful you stood up and you're yeah. alive. Like that was, you know, but yeah, I think we just get in our heads and like it happens to everybody. But the faster you can turn that around and learn from it, shift your perspective, you're just going to be so much better off. Yeah. And I think, you know, that process is the hard part. Like, how do you get to that point where you can take a step back? And I, I think part of it does come with age, you know, as you get older and you have different experiences in your life, you start to look at things with less weight, maybe. So like once I went through like a huge life, you know, change and divorce and all that, you know, such a huge change for me that now all those little things didn't seem so big anymore. You know, they're so so minute in detail. So I could be like, all right, wait, why are you getting so mad at this? It was, it was just a different perspective I could come from. And so it's interesting, but you know, I, one thing has helped me is meditation and I wasn't really like a meditator, you know, I'm I'm actually Buddhist, but I never meditated until I was much older. And, um, I started continuously doing it. And then I started finding that I was able to kind of reevaluate my emotions a little while it was happening. So instead of like getting super like snappy at my kids, I could just kind of be like, eh, it doesn't really matter. Or, eh, you know, it was like this weird power that I, I, that I got. I was like, Oh, this is crazy. Like I can, like, I just look at it like it doesn't really matter, you know? And it, it almost sounds bad when you say it like that. Cause it almost seems like you don't care, but it, it's really only giving value to the right things. And so like those little things that you, I used to just piss me off. They don't really piss me off that anymore. And then when I, the less I met, less I meditate, the more I get more bitchy, I guess you could say. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think we realize how much energy all of those little thoughts take up in our lives, Yeah, you know? And if we add up all of the seconds and minutes and hours of our life that we're consumed with these negative thoughts and these thoughts about how we need to change ourselves and that we're not enough and that, oh, what is so-and-so thinking about me? It's Mm -hmm. like, 
when you clear that out, there's so much more space for the things that, like you say, really matter. Yeah, exactly. And so I think something that's like an action step that, you know, if you're listening and like this, like resonates with you, it's like, get clear on your why. Yep. You know, like, what is my why? Like in powerlifting, like whenever I found my ego leading, it's like, I'm not clear on my why, you know, like I didn't start powerlifting to, you know, break all these world records. Like I started powerlifting because I wanted to feel strong. I wanted to feel like I could accomplish things. Like I wanted to feel empowered. And when I lose sight of that, that's when I start to feel bad about myself. Yes. It's like just getting reconnected with my why and powerlifting in my life and my relationships just really helps me to stay grounded and not let the bullshit bother me. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people's whys tend to be more global, I guess you could say, or more of like, I just want to have better health or I, you know, these not so specific, like I want to have a world record, you know? So having, returning back to that, why usually is wonderful. I mean, when I started getting really deep into bodybuilding and almost to me, in my, in my view, like, um, disregarding health. That's when I realized like, wait a minute, why did I do this in the first place? Yeah. You know, I did this because I wanted to be healthier. I was like, this isn't know, healthier, right? No, this yeah. is, I was drinking and smoking and, you know, and this is just another like extreme. And all these unhealthy. like deprivation diets. And yes. like, I mean, I was the same way in powerlifting for a while. Like I, the, the reason why I, I mean, the, the big aha moment for me in powerlifting when I was like, you got to reevaluate this cutting weight thing was I was trying to make, so this is the one time I competed in USAPL and we were going to go to raw nationals and I, they, their weight classes are different. So it was like, you know, 185 or something like that or super heavyweights. And I was like, I'm not doing the super heavyweights. I don't want to be with Monica. Like, (laughs) like, no way. And like, again, it was like not focused on my why. It was just like, I gotta, I gotta look good. Like I gotta, you know, right. can't just like do this and for the experience, like right. I gotta, you know, so I had tried to diet for a while and I was stuck at like one, one ninety four, and it would like not go down. Jeez. And I was like, what am I going to do? Like, should I just go up? And I was like, no, you're not a quitter, Randy. (laughs) Don't give up. And so I looked up, you know, like how to lose, how to lose weight, like how to drop weight. And I didn't eat or drink for 24 hours. And I sat in a sauna and I was literally like, had to have like an IV, like all all the things. And I was, you know, had to have somebody drive me to the weigh-ins because I couldn't drive. Right. it's like, this is what you do for powerlifting, like yeah. for something that you wanted to feel more empowered about yourself and healthier, right? And like, right. this is so far beyond health. Yeah, totally. I feel that for all weight sports that do it. I mean, there's so many weight sports that, you know, any- Oh my God, totally. All that kind of stuff. They, they do the same thing. And I think to myself, like, it just is not worth it. It, it, it it's is so damaging to our bodies, you know? Yes. I mean, I feel like I really wrecked my metabolism in the process of these endless cuts and extreme diets. And, you know, I, I accept the bigger body that I'm in now. Yeah. But if I could turn back the clock and go back in time when I was 185 pounds and preach what I'm preaching now, 
and love and accept my body then, I don't think I would be where I'm at now. Yes. I don't think I would be in this body. Mm-hmm. I think this is a effect of a slowed metabolism of years and years of hatred towards my body. Yeah. And people like, you know, they have this image of what health looks like and it's so false. Yeah. You can look healthy and be so far from healthy. Fuck yeah. Mentally, I mean, that's physically, everything. Totally. Everything. I mean, that's, there's so many, so many people we know. I mean, I knew so many women that were fit as shit and very few of them had things together. Like, balanced life. They either yeah. Very Mindset, toxic, relationships. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, so toxic sometimes. And I was like, wow. I mean, you know, when, when you sort of like, you know, pull the curtain, you're like, wow, this is like some shit. Seriously. Yeah. Seriously. And it's, and this is what we're aspiring to be. And we see right. on Instagram and we see on social media yeah. and we see the, these fitspos and we're like, oh my God, I need to achieve this life. Yeah. But you don't really see, like you said, it's like when the veil comes off, the truth behind the veil. Yeah. So let me ask you this with the people that reach out to you, maybe even the super heavyweights, I'm sure you've had super heavyweights, you know, you've talked to and yeah, absolutely. And what are, what a lot of the, them are my clients. <laughs> yeah. So what are the things that you find um, that they all come to you for? What are, are they all the same kind of, you know, maybe insecurities or reservations? Do they, what do they ask you? What do they come to you for? You know, it's really, a lot of it comes back to just kind of being fed up with not being able to accept their bodies. And like, I just want to find a way to feel okay about myself and feel like I'm safe in my body and feel like it's okay to be in this body because we always have, you know, I mean, you hear it from doctors, you hear it from, you know, Everybody on social media, there's so many people coming at you that if you're not, if you're in a bigger body and you're not trying to be smaller, like trying to actively lose weight, you're attacked. Yeah. And I think that there's so much, like, of course I want to be healthy. I'm not, I don't want to preach like, yeah, just like eat whatever you want and don't exercise and avoid all, you know, but there's a way to do it where it's mind, body, spirit, and you're not allowing a scale or these outside things to define you and how you should feel about yourself. Yep. And so really like, that's what people come to me for. That's what I really am a stand for. And I think when you just own that and just own your uniqueness, your differences, your story, what you've been through. It just creates so much space to manifest your future. So many of us are stuck in the past and we need to let go of that shit, accept ourselves so we can literally live the life we want. Hell yeah. That's for damn sure. So, so with your, with the people that you worked with, you know, from the time that you started your business, what have you learned? Like what have, oh my God, oh my God tell me. Cause I think like, man, you've worked with very, I mean, you worked with all these people who are coming to you with lots of probably sadness, you know? And I think while you, there's a lot of room for growth for you as a coach. So I'm curious as to what have you learned in this, in this time? Yeah. I mean, I've learned so much about myself and I think the biggest thing that I've learned is that loving yourself comes down to accepting yourself, but also 
finding what your purpose is and your meaning in life and attaching that to something greater. Yeah. Because like, I always was kind of like having that missing piece of like, okay, I'm trying to accept myself, but it doesn't really like, it just seemed shallow. Yeah. And when I was able to attach it to helping other women and spreading my message and like opening up and like talking about topics, like even in powerlifting that people don't talk about, like, you know, my mindset and my insecurities, like, you know, my competitors for the open follow me. They're watching that shit. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Because I, this is who I am. And I really, what I found is that the more I am who I, who I really am, the greater the impact I can have. Yeah. And it's attaching that to my purpose that has allowed me to let go of so many of the insecurities, the reservations behind sharing my story, putting myself out there is because I'm so clear on the impact that I want to have in this world. Yeah. And that's what drives me every single day. Yeah. Is that change that I want to create. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. <laughs> You're going to make me cry. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> But that's, you know, once you start moving away from yourself, you know, and the me, 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 and this poor me, you know, like, oh, you know, then that then, victim mindset. Yeah. Yes. And in, in its own way, it might not be so apparent. It might not be so like classic. You know, I think that yeah. we have small phrases to ourselves. Like, you know, it's just, you know, I try so hard. Why this? I gave up all, and then I, because I, I found myself doing that so much. Where then I'm like, you know, I do this and I did that. Why is it not like this? And just dumb. I know I shouldn't have. Like, why do you even go for that? You have too much. You know, like this talk, and it is. It's that monkey mind where you're just kind of going and going and going. But once you sort of let go of that, and like now, my goal is really to kind of use powerlifting as a way to engage more women in strength training. And if they like powerlifting, then I'm happy with that. But I feel like there are a lot of women that could benefit from strength training the way I did, because I feel like it really, once I focused on performance, the body came to, you know, like, yes, I had a good, you know, build with bodybuilding and that was fun. But once I started letting that be my only focus again, or I'm going to be on stage. I'm always being judged. Like I, I would mask it by saying things like, Oh, I just love being on stage. And yeah, I did. But really it was for selfish reasons. You know what I mean? I really wanted that pro card to be like, I'm a pro, you know? And when I couldn't get it, I I was so burnt out. I was like a thousand calories a day. It wasn't my coach's fault. It was my fault because I had like said, I need to do this show. Why? Mm. Because I was like, I need to do this show so that it lines me up for nationals. And, but it was stupid. My body wasn't changing. I was going through all these low low carb, three hours of cardio, still strength training, you know, I'm a, you know, coach still. And it was so much that I was so fucking burnt out at the end of it. And I turned to CrossFit. I actually started doing CrossFit right after because it was performance based and they did deadlift squat and bench. It was a different, it was a different, it was power athlete. So they did a bunch of benching and stuff like that. It's great. You know, I can get some conditioning in, but I can do that. And that's when my perspective changed. And then again, I was like, man, I love this. Like I love weight training. I love strength training. I love looking at performance. I need like women need to all do this. Like they are stuck on the elliptical. They've been doing, you know, like walking is great, but walking's not going to give you the changes that you want. You know, I mean, you want to live longer, live healthier. Like those, those were the things that resonated with me. And I just wanted to tell 
everyone. I was like, the women need to do this. And so that's where the podcast sort of crept in almost two years ago. Now, when I was thinking about it, I was like, I should do a podcast. And my, I was like, no, I didn't, who would I talk to? Like, who'd want to talk to me? Well, you know, like, what if, what if I have to pay them? I can't pay them. <laughs> like all these things, <laughs> like, like, I don't know. Is that, is that stupid? Nobody's going to probably even listen. It was so many things. And then Absolutely. I, and then they, my, my, you know, these girls down here strength outside the box were like, you just got to do it. And it was like, I was contemplating, contemplating. And then my husband's like, just do it. And then that's when I just did it. Like that next week. It's like, what the fuck? I'm not, I don't overthink things like this is true. What am I going to wait for? There's never a moment that's going to be the right. Exactly. But it's never going to be the right time. Yeah. It was my insecurities saying that I might not be good enough. What if I'm not good enough? Then I make an ass of myself, you know, on this, I'm putting it out there. I'm making a page. I'm, you know, I'm doing, I'm really putting myself out there and there's a lot of risk involved. And it was my insecurities talking, but I'm sure as hell glad I did it because even if it didn't work out, I would nothing to lose. Nobody gives a shit. You think people really give a shit? They don't. <laughs> like it was my own ego again. Like, oh, people are going to be, you know, judging me. I'm like, no, they might judge you for a second, but it's like, even really if they do, it's like, who cares? You exactly. know, exactly. Who cares? Why do I put so much weight on that? So, and then again, it would make me think of the things like, you know, I tend to be a people pleaser in certain things. Like, I wouldn't say that I'm non-confrontational, but I do avoid confrontation for certain things because I just don't feel it's necessary. But on that same note, I'll avoid certain things where I know they might be difficult conversations where I'm like, I don't know, do I need to go there? Maybe I don't need to. You know, there are times when I'm like that, but I've learned to reevaluate myself and be like, okay, if it's making you feel like this, then the conversation needs to be had because absolutely because yeah, there's a reason totally why agree. you're feeling this way. Have you read, I just started, um, I'm like halfway through the book, but it's called dare to lead. Yes. Um, Brene Brown is yes. my, my favorite. I've read all of her books. Oh my God. I, I love multiple it. times. Yeah. I got to print out the workbook because I was I like, need, yeah, I need to actually buy it. Cause I, I listened, I listened to dare to lead on, uh, on audible. Me too. So but that's, you can print out the workbook. The book. Yeah. yeah. You can print out the workbook online and then go through it. So then I kind of like stopped yeah. listening because I was like, dude, I can't, this is like amazing. And she, so great. you know, those, when she, she calls them rumbles and rumbles are those kind of critical conversations you're going to have with people. And so she says, if you need to, if you're having reservations about rumbling, then you need to rumble. There's, there's, yeah. those are, and I, I found myself really kind of like thinking about those conversations that I have. And I was like, wow, I am that kind of person sometimes where I might avoid it just because I'm kind of a nice person. So if I have that conversation, they might not like me, but who cares if they don't like me? Why do I care? You know? So it's like, why, why asking those whys? And so it was really interesting because that kind of really made me feel very vulnerable at the same time. Like, wow, I never really thought about that part of who I am. You know, I always like, I am that person. I'll go and I'll tell somebody how it is. Like, I'm not shy about that. But then it was like, what about those kind of conversations? Say you're with your coworker and they did something wrong and, you know, you have to correct them, but it's been the third time that you've done it, that you've had to do it. What is the conversation? Are you going to avoid the conversation or, you know, so it's, it's interesting how you just sort of have to grow as a person and push yourself into those areas. Yeah, I think that just as a culture, we yeah. have a hard time with confrontation. Yep. And we avoid it. And so many of the problems that we have in our relationships, in our jobs, in our life in general can be solved if we just lean into those difficult conversations. Yes. 
Yes. And that's like a hard one. Even now, like talking about it, I'm like, wow, if I have to think of those really tough conversations for me, they might not be the same for you, but I, I, I know there are times where I'm like, okay, that's going to be hard for me. How do I lean into that? Like, how do I let, and I have to, because then that's what makes you stronger. You know, you're forced to kind of do that. Yeah. It's really, I really believe that like vulnerability and these sort of things, they're exactly like powerlifting and strength training. It gets easier with repetition and it gets stronger. Like you have to build, like you have to put the reps in. You have to get the practice with having the difficult conversations, with speaking your truth, speaking your needs, you know, um, setting boundaries, saying no, all those things are so hard to do when you don't do them. Yep. That's for sure. And so you, you know, you and Catherine started the uplifting podcast. What what made you decide to do this? And if you, for our listeners, if you guys haven't heard, they have new podcasts called the uplifting podcast. And I will, of course, yours will be coming out soon. Heidi was on. It's so crazy for me. You know, like it's nice to, to, to be interviewed. (laughs) It's one of those ones. I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's so well, I just fell in love with your podcast when you launched it. I was like, Oh my God, this is so amazing. So I just, I'm so grateful for you for starting this podcast. I I just think it's amazing. And I think that women should support other women. So uh, the reason why I started the uplifting podcast with my friend, Catherine is just to create a safe space for women to share their stories Mm. and really talk about, like we were talking about the topics we don't talk about, you know, those, those difficult conversations Uh, the things in our lives that maybe we try to hide and, you know, keep under the rug. Like we want to expose those things. So, Mm -hmm. you know, in my first episode, I shared a really difficult story of my own. You can go and listen to it if you want, but it, it, you know, it's a difficult conversation and I want women to have a space where they feel like they can share their story. You know, eventually I want to talk to, you know, famous people, but even right now, just talking to regular women, women who I have never met, women who are even my friends about these different topics. It's just, I've learned so much. And even though everybody's story is so different, I can always find similarities. Yes. And like, I really just think that that's the power of sharing story yes. and why it's just so important that we share our story, even like you don't have to do it on this, you know, global right. of a format, right. but just finding the way in your own community, in your own life to open up and be vulnerable. That is what builds connection. Yep. And it's a key ingredient and you have to have that to build deeper connections. And right now with social media being so prevalent, so much of social media is just surface level. Yeah. Oh, totally doctored surface level. Exactly. And that's why we have to like bring that vulnerability into our lives, into how we show up, because that's what's going to connect us really on a deeper scale. Yeah, I agree. And I think that that... um that is something that I've really loved, you know, that I've been able to talk to all these women and women reach out to me. They're like, I felt such a connection. And, you know, I felt like she was talking about me about certain, you know, when certain guests and they would have never shared their story. Like Shana was a good one where, 
you know, she had went through a lot of troubles and she's like, I am very open, you know, to sharing this, but she really hadn't talked about that with anybody. It wasn't something she put on her post, you know, Mm -hmm. almost like me, like I went through such a big, huge change for me, but I didn't really share that. It's not in my story. I don't have, you know, like, you know, because I've, I've already moved on, you know, my life has moved past that and it's so much better and and it's transitioned, you know, and I, I feel like that part I've grown from. So it's funny to share it again, like on your podcast, I was like, wow, all these things were coming up and thinking about that. Um, But I've had women reach out to me and say the same thing. You know, I went through a divorce. It was like an awful thing. And, you know, I heard you talk about this and that. I was on another uh, podcast and I had talked about it a little bit. And it was interesting to me because I didn't expect that. Um, But I should have known, like even my mother, when I was going through my hard time, um, I, and I'll never forget this because it was one of those moments where you connect and you just like, oh my gosh, my, my mom and I, I think, you know, we do the Tahiti Fet in, mm-hmm. in California. Right. And so we also do workshops like Polynesian workshops. So it's huge in Mexico. Okay. All the people in Mexico, oh, wow. like there are over a thousand halals in Mexico. Yes. It's oh very different. I had no idea. No, it's crazy. So you have some that are not like legit, like, they're just trying to make money. Mm. They don't go through the whole process that we do um, in Hawaii, like in, you know, as far as like going with a teacher, you know, you know, the whole shabam. A lot of them don't do that. And a lot of them do. So we used to go down there and throw workshops. We fly in people from Hawaii and Tahiti and they would teach different workshops, music, dance, all that kind of stuff. And I was pregnant at the time. And at, the, at that time, my ex had left me already. And this was the beginning of the year. So I was probably around six months pregnant at that time. And I was on the plane with my mom. She was having a glass of wine. And I don't even know how this story came up. And we've talked several times about her past, but my mother was divorced too. And she told me this story of when she was like, she knew it was it. I never told her that I was going through troubles. In fact, I kept that all quiet because I only told like one person because I thought, no, it'll be fine you know, I don't want to say anything because then she's mm. going to hate him. You know what I mean? So I was like, we'll figure it out. It's my own business. We'll figure it out. So I didn't even say that he had like, he was like pretty much not living at home at that point. Um, and she's like, you know, I think she was a little tipsy. So she was getting into this story. And she said, you know, I was at home in Jersey at this time. She had moved from Portugal. Her ex-husband was Portuguese. So she had moved from Portugal back to New York. So they were living in Jersey. My little brother, I mean, my older brother was like one and the other one was like two and a half. She goes, it was so hot. It was a summer. I had all the doors open. It was like steaming hot. She goes, and my ex, you know, my husband at the time was at the beach with his buddy and some girls. She goes, and I'm in the house and your brother is just crying because he's so hot. And she goes, and I was sick. So she started developing like all these sickness and she was like under a hundred pounds. And my grandpa was like, Lillian, it's like Puerto Rican, Lillian, you look sick. You need to go to the doctor. Like he's telling her all this stuff. And she goes, and I just had this moment, like, I can't do this anymore. And she goes, I packed up the whole house. I packed up all my stuff. She goes, I called your grandpa. I called your uncle. They took all her stuff. We moved into my apartment that was above where I had a little uh, clothing shop for kids. I called her. I was like, hey, you still renting that place upstairs? She's like, yeah, sure. Dude, she closed down the whole room, everything by the time he came back to the beach. So he came wow. home. All his stuff was outside doors were locked. People were already in the house who had just moved in. Like she had done that in a day. She was like, I just had this click and I just, I can't do this. I can't let my children live like this. 
this is not, this is not right. And she just had this, just moment. And I remember just thinking so much strength in that, like that, I can't, I couldn't, I just, in that moment, I was so vulnerable. I was like, I could never do that. Like, I could never do that. Like, it's just so crazy to me that you did that. It's so amazing. I remember just crying, like thinking, oh my gosh, like just linking all these moments, you know, and my mother to me is like one of my, my sheroes. Like she is, I mean, the woman's got like three or four degrees. She speaks six languages. She was a superintendent, a fine arts commissioner for city of San Jose. She had done like, she's this woman who's done all this kind of stuff. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I could do, you know, I I looked up to her in that sense. And um, it it was a, a very powerful moment for me because she was so vulnerable. She didn't work. He made her not go to school and she had a full ride to Columbia University because she's like stupid smart. And she's like, and I stopped all of that. I, I stopped all of that for somebody else. And, you know, and um, that's when she had a, a, this moment. And it was this connection that I had with her and I, on a deeper level, you know, instead of just mother daughter, but it was this deep level in this moment where I, I, I didn't really have the power just yet, but that story stayed with me. And so when the time came for me, I was like, you know what? I can do it. You know, my mom did it. I can do it. There's, there isn't a reason why I can't take that next step. And, you know, it's, it's okay. It's okay to give it up at that point. Like I was like, I need to just give it up. I'm holding on to nothing. And it's interesting though, had she never shared that story with me, I would have never, I don't know if I would have ever taken that next step. It might've taken me longer, but it was almost like I found that power in her and it was her just sharing that story. And I told her, I need to, you need, I need to write a book about you because your life is so crazy. Like she has so many things that happen. I feel so many women could draw inspiration from that. Um, and that's kind yeah. of what I did. It was, it was a very, very pivotal moment for me, which is yeah. crazy. <laughs> that's so, that's so powerful. And I think that, you know, that's another power of, of storytelling is that, expands what we believe is possible. Yes. And I know that when like just filling my life with more positive influences and letting go of all the negative shit on Instagram and unfollowing the people that don't make me feel good and following more positive people and not listening to the radio. Like I just listen to podcasts and I just try to, you know, keep myself uplifted and what that has done is just expanded what I believe is possible for myself. Yeah. And it's, I, it's a year ago, I would have never, you know, thought that I would be where I am today. And I think that that just shows that we can always continue to grow and evolve in our lives. So tell me a little bit about what your business is right now. So what is it that you do with women? So you can so, let our listeners know. Yeah. So I actually am going through kind of a rebrand right now because I've helped so many women become more confident in their bodies and discover what their purpose is that they now want to become coaches and want to start their own businesses. Awesome. I am now a business and mindset coach. Okay. I saw that. Yeah. It's really exciting. Like I had my own uh, reservations with you know, announcing this and being like, okay, this is who I am. Because I'm like, again, those insecurities, like, who are you? Like, you know, you've only been in business for nine months, this and that. But there was this moment where I had a discovery call with a new client who wants to become a, a life coach and basically gave her tips on how to land her first client. And within one week, she landed her first client fantastic signed up with me for coaching 
now has like two more clients and it just was like this like validation that I needed to be like, okay, what you're doing is valid and you can call yourself a coach. And I quit my job like the next week. No, like just I'm doing it. And within a week I hit my first $10,000 month. I like made $6,000 in one week. Like it was just, things just have started clicking for me once I've just owned like this new phase in my journey. So it's just really exciting because I want to lead by example for my clients of what's possible when you show up as yourself. Yes. And so that's really what I'm a stand for is that, you know, you can be yourself. You don't have to put on a persona. You can share your story and you can make an impact and income in the process. Yes. That's fabulous because I think that once you kind of get through that part, nobody, I don't think people think about it as a business. You know, I don't, I don't see any women sort of in the space that you're carving right now. Yes. There's like mindset um, coaches and there are you know, life coaches, but I feel like what you're doing is just different. You know, I, I feel that you can target people differently and the, the type, the type of people that are coming to you are just different. And I, I could see a lot of success. Like, I, I feel like you're just going to have so much success with it because you do show up authentic and that's what people want, you know, and this, like everything is so curated. So doctored, it's so refreshing to just see a nice big butt. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, God damn. Well, it's so <laughs> interesting because I actually lose quite a bit of followers on Instagram when I post my butt. But, you know what? You know, it's like one of those things where it's like it, some people just don't like like skin. I think it's like, exactly. <laughs> like I have people who are like, it's just not my thing. I'm like, well, why are you following me? Like you yeah. can take one look at my page and be like, this chick posts yeah. her naked ass all yeah. the time. Like yeah. my, even people at the gym have told me kindly that they've unfollowed me for that reason. I'm like, cool. Yeah. Like, I'm not for everybody. And I totally get that. So yeah. that's why it's like nowadays when I lose followers to me, I'm like, great. They yeah. weren't here for it. Yeah. And that's totally fine. Cause yeah. again, I just have to like move myself away, continue to remind myself that these external markers of what is successful does not define me. My number of followers, my number of likes, like the weight on the bar, the weight on the scale, whatever it is, that doesn't define who I am. Yep. Yeah. Your morals and what you do. Absolutely. That defines who you are. And I think as we pull away from that, that's what's going to be most important. And it is hard, you know, to not define ourselves in those things. And I I think I've said that before. And like even my bio, it says wife, mother, those are mundane, ordinary things. You know, they're not specific things because, then you have to live up to that specific thing. Like even saying like elite total, I have to live up to that elite total all the time. There's a lot of pressure to that, you know? And like, no, I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I'm a lover, I'm a student. You know, they're kind of just like, Bleh. you know, like they're nothing fabulous, you know? And, and because to me, striving for something that's not so specific has no weight. I can never not be a mother. I can never not be, I mean, I guess I could not be a wife, but you know, those, those things are definitely not uh, dependent on other people either. You know, I, I mean, I think it's wonderful 
to have that sort of connection and that sort of thought process. So I love, I love where your business is going and I love, so what is the future for powerlifting? What is your next wow. year? So the current is coming up, right? <laughs> yeah. So the are you shooting ahead? Like, I feel like you're kind of like, let's do the current and we'll kind of see, like, that's what I'm thinking. You're thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I'll be honest. I'm not sure about my squats. Like I just, they're on and off. Like sometimes my knees feel weird. Like, and I, I do not want to walk out of this injured. So mm-hmm. I would love to squat 600 pounds. That would be amazing. Um, recently I squatted 562 for two reps. Mm-hmm. So that's my best, uh, classic raw squat mm-hmm. in competition. So I definitely think I will be able to hit a PR at least in my squat, uh, bench, it, you know what? I'm just so excited because the current is actually going to be the first competition where I actually have women who are like badass competitors. Yep. There's like a woman who squats over 600, uh, Karina Davis, who is like a good friend of mine. She recently broke my world record bench at the oh. San Diego Fit Expo. Oh, geez. And so we're going to be battling again. But what's like so cool, and this is just like, this will just show you how I just like really don't give a fuck and just love everybody. <laughs> I sent her some of my shoes. Um, cause she wanted, they're like the Reebok lifters that like they weren't making anymore. I sent them to her and she wore those on the platform when she broke my bench. My, my bench. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. And like sent me a video and I was like, yes, I'm so excited. <laughs> so, um, she's fucking badass, And I, I'm, I know she's probably going to like kill me, but I would love to just be able to keep up with her in the bench and hit a PR. My current PR is 319. Um, And then deadlift. This is actually what I'm super excited about, which is so funny because I have hated deadlifts for years, but I am, I am putting this out there because this is the one thing that is really like what I am going to achieve is a 606 deadlift. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's my goal. freaking awesome. Yeah. I recently pulled into reverse band 601. Okay. I think I did see that. Didn't you post that? Yeah. So okay. that's on my, that's on my feed. I'm going to max out in a couple weeks with like thinner bands. Mm-hmm. I don't want to max off, max out off the floor before competition. Mm-hmm. Um, I usually don't max out my squat or um, my deadlift before competition. I'll usually do like a top double okay. and then kind of base what my uh, max is from there. So you so, guys, do you, so you do a conjugate as well, right? I don't do conjugate. Um, okay. I loved your episode with Leonetta. <laughs> uh, she was actually one of my first coaches and I learned so much from her. And I incorporate a lot of the accessory, like the, the variations into mm-hmm. like as accessory movements, mm-hmm. but I don't do like the max effort, dynamic effort days. Mm-hmm. I, what works for me is like hitting a max double, hitting a max triple. Um, I can't do like five by fives. I can't <laughs> do like when I, what I've, what I've noticed is as I've been, as I've been lifting heavier weights, I can't do 500 pounds for reps and reps and reps. Yeah. So it's like, if I do 500 pounds for a solid triple, I'm like, I'm good. Yeah. 
I don't need to go and do another triple. Yeah. You know, like I can do some back offsets. I can do, so it's really been like, I kind of have created, I coach myself. I was just going to say, so it myself. sounds like you coach yourself. Yeah. I've coached myself since I've been a super heavyweight. Since huh? I, um, actually I had somebody help me when I first started single ply the back in 2017, my first single ply competition. And then after that, I coached myself for the Olympia. And then I've been coaching myself ever since. That's fantastic. I have a really great teammate, Josh Jaggers, who handles me at all my competitions, who really gives me honest feedback and it's like, look, you look like shit. Yes, like, I was just gonna say because that's a, this that sounds like super weak. Like people tell me my arms are small, and I'm like, oh my god. Like, <laughs> he's just like your your upper back is like lacking, and I'm just like, okay. And so, but I love that because so many people want to blow smoke up your ass. Yes, and he just like keeps it so real with me, but then shows me how to improve. And yeah. like, I'm just always learning from him and just everybody at Mana um, is just always so supportive. And, you know, we have just such a well of knowledge there that I'm always learning from people. So even though I coach myself, like I still try to be very coachable and yeah. accept any feedback and then be like, okay, how does this fit for you? Like, cause right. at the end of the day, I know myself the best. Yep. I know my body the best. Um, And I think that in the future, I definitely have been like playing around with wanting to get a coach because it's a pain in the ass to program yourself. Oh my gosh. Yes. (laughs) You know, but it's like finding that person that you can have that relationship to be like, Hey, this doesn't really work for me. Right. Like I, I'm not going to do your five by five. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things where you have to agree with the training, you know, like, and I think yeah. when we're at, at this point, we've been training so long that you kind of know what you can and cannot do. Like, I am not going to do anything more than four days a week. And in fact, yeah, I was totally. doing three days a week for the last couple months. And so when I went back to four days, because I started coaching uh, with Julia and her husband, Julianto, um, I went, they do conjugate and I, I started coaching with them. I was like, oh my gosh, this transition of four days, like, I can't, you know, I used to do it all the time. I mean, that was like my thing, but it was so funny how you get used to something like three days a week. I got four days off. This is great. And you're still getting results, you know, but it was just a change. And I, I, I love, I enjoy conjugate. So it's one of those where I feel good about it. And I, I like being in that, but I am definitely an open book. Like, you know, I've had a lot of people, my husband's tried to help me change my squads. So I've tried to do things where I've actually toes pointed forward and like just some crazy stuff out there. But um, yeah, I wanted to know, I was like, man, I, I really want to go to the current just to fucking see it. Like just oh my to God. see. I'm just so like me too. Like, I feel like, I mean, it's only been in the past year that I've been like, like I was a nobody. I'm still a nobody, like, yeah, you right. know? <laughs> and so the fact that I'm like going to be around all these amazing women, I'm like, this is just so incredible. So yeah. Um, I'm definitely going to take first. Sorry to all the other super heavyweights listening. <laughs> I will take first in my weight class. Uh, yeah, because I, I I have like, I think I have the total package. I have other women who can out squat me, out bench me, out deadlift me. Right. But they're not all at my, you know. So right. right. This is, you know, I'm excited to have that competition. Yep. Um, again, even if I don't place first, 
I'm still going to be fucking amazing. And the, you know, like yeah. I'm just so excited to be there and just experience it and, and soak yeah. that all in. Cause really yeah. it's the journey it really is the process. Like if you're always totally. looking for the end outcome, you're going to be disappointed your whole life. Oh you, my should God. Be, you should be sad maybe and disappointed if you don't hit what you want to hit. Yes. I, I think that is part of being a competitor. You know, you hold yourself at a certain standard, but that should not be everything for you. You know, like you shouldn't go home and sulk after that. Enjoy it. Say, fuck it. You know, I did my best. I did what I could. Or, you know, I, I cut too much weight and I fucking fucked it up, whatever, you know, but move on and enjoy what's happening. Because if you don't, then you're just not going to enjoy the things in life. Like, it's just, I think too many people do that and they put too much weight on that. And I think it's, it's the journey that we all need to enjoy. And it's so cliche, but I feel like it's so true. Yeah. And I think when we focus on those, you know, quote unquote failures, we don't focus on the things that go right or our accomplishments and our achievements. Like yep. my past meet, the tribute, I wanted to squat 600. I really believed that I was on track, but in the warm up room, the weight just wasn't moving as I had expected. Yeah. And so I, kind of lowered my attempts and my opener was kind of shaky. So I didn't make the jump that I had anticipated. And then my second one flew up and I was like, Oh, okay. That was weird. <laughs> like, yeah. but then again, I was kind of like in my head. So I was like, let's right. just play it conservative. Right. Me- went for 578 on my third. I hit it, but I got called on depth. And that was like, I've never been called on depth before. And Mm. so I was so like disappointed in myself. I was like, after that, I was like, fuck, like, why couldn't I have just gone like a little, like, cause again, it blew up. So I was, I was so pissed off at myself. Right. And I was like, okay, you can let this fuck up your bench and fuck up the rest of the meat. Right. Get over it. Right. And even after the meet, I was still, you know, a little bit upset with myself, but I was like, you got to choose to focus on what went right. Yeah. My 319 bench, that was so unexpected. Oh, that's awesome. I had missed, you know, 308 in training. Like, I so unexpected. So I was like, focus on that. Wow. You know, my deadlift, 562, never expected that. So it's like, Focus on those things. Don't focus on the one thing that went wrong. Right. And I think that's what we do in our lives all the time is like, we find the one thing that went wrong and we like drill that and focus on that. And then it clouds everything that went right. Yeah. Yeah. That's so right. Well, Randy, this has been a fantastic. I, I love this. I think we went right into it like right away. And I was happy Yay. for that. <laughs> I hope this was like, I know it's like kind of different. We talked a little bit about powerlifting, but. Oh, I um, know. But I think that's, this is why I have the podcast, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's about powerlifting, but it's the stories of the women who powerlift, you know, and it's a lot, Absolutely. it's sometimes it's a lot of powerlifting, but I mean, now that I think about it, there's very little ones, little episodes that are just powerlifting. I'm trying to think if anybody just talked about it, like that, that's boring. You know, like, I know, right. You're gonna talk about so many so we talk about numbers and training and yeah, like that's just boring. I mean, we, we do it for everything else. I think that goes with it too. You know, the feeling you get with it, but it is Absolutely. those stories that I, that I'm, that I want, this is what I want. And I want people to be very transparent, be open with what they struggle with and, and talk about why they love to powerlift and why that's helped them, you know? So it's kind of like you hit all of that. So 
thank you very much for sharing your story. I always appreciate it. And I love and appreciate your genuine self and who you are. And I, I just can't wait to see where you're going to be in like a year. It's going to be amazing. Oh my God. I can't wait either. Like, I, I think that's the best thing about being in this place of just growth and love and acceptance is like, I don't even know what my next year is going to be like, right. but I know it, I'm going to be in an even more incredible place. So yeah. um, if any of your listeners want to discover what their purpose is and how they want to own their story, I have a free workbook. I'll give you the link. You can like yes. put it in the show notes. Oh, thank you. Um, Wonderful. And it'll just help them to really figure out how they want to create an impact in the world and yes. through using their story because there's so much power in that. Yeah, I agree. Thank you. That is wonderful. So it'll be in the show notes for those you listening who want to get on the brandy train. Yes. <laughs>